0: Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast. My name is Willie Simpson.
1: My name is Sonya Rappacourt.
0: Sonya, we are talking about X-Men Evolution, when the first season, episode nine, an episode called Survival of the Fittest.
1: Spoilers, everyone survives.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man good night everybody (laughs) Um, before we begin let's get the plugs out of the way uh follow me on twitter Abilie simpson join the x-men test podcast facebook group where you can interact with us and rate reviews five stars on itunes or whatever podcast service you use we very much appreciate all sorts of support that uh everyone gives us um it helps keep the show going um before we begin i just i think it's weird that a new mutant slash x-men movie is out there and
1: we're not going to see it. We're not
0: going to see it. Our <laughs> desire to see it is low. It's, I,
1: no, I mean, we will see it. Yeah.
0: No, I do want to see it for sure. But uh, like... Not in not, the theaters right now. Yeah, not so much that We're I want to risk the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of a bummer. Um, I know the movie bombed at the box office. Big surprise. Uh,
1: I think everything is pretty much bombing at the box office right now, though. No? Yeah.
0: I, I saw an article saying that Warner Brothers refuses to release the box office data for Tenant. The uh-huh. new Christopher Nolan movie, which to this day I've never seen the trailer of, nor do I know what that movie is about. I have just,
1: You could remedy that very easily. <laughs> I know, I could. I just have
0: had no interest or desire to, to seek out. Yeah. A, you know, any, I guess I've had other things on my mind. But uh, yeah, it's... I, I mean, I want... Here, let's pose this question. If the movie was awesome, New Mutants. Yeah. And it had amazing buzz, would we have taken the risk to go see in the theaters? No, I can wait. You would have waited.
1: Yeah, I would still wait.
0: I don't know. I wonder if I would have felt the desire to strap the mask on and just get a midnight viewing and hope for the best. I don't,
1: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a bunch of people in the Facebook group did see it and enjoyed it yeah. and were, like, happy to have a theater-going experience, you yeah, know, that's true. for the first time in quite a long time. I, I get it. I just, I'm not at that place right now, personally. Yeah, me
0: neither. Me neither. So, in a way, it might, maybe it's a good thing that this movie didn't do so well and is bad, because we'll either, we're going to get a direct-to-video release soon, And also, it doesn't make us do something stupid. (laughs) So, if you're like us and you haven't seen the movie yet, it probably is okay to wait until you could just stream it somewhere, which I'm sure is coming to a platform shortly. Um, Yeah, so, uh, again, weird that we haven't gotten to a new X-Men movie, really the last Fox X-Men movie, before they completely revamp that universe sans Deadpool, supposedly. Mm -hmm. But enough about that. Let's jump into this episode uh, for me, this episode is similar to how I feel about the show as a whole thus far. I like the animation. I think it's cool. I think it looks really good. It, it's definitely better than the original series, uh, in term, just on a pure visual standpoint. Uh, it, it doesn't have the original series beat on direction or uh, pacing or cinematic quality, but it looks beautiful
1: really agree with you on that i know that i'm not comparing it to the original series necessarily Mm -hmm. because that series is famous for not having good animation especially in like some of the the later seasons where they changed um animation studios but uh i don't know i'm not in love with like the character styles that they do like the long form like model looking
0: (laughs) well i would say styles uh, not to cut you off but it's an anime style i would Right, it, right, yeah. It, and so, from that standpoint, the you're right. The character models do not look as good as the original series because in the original series they drew them to look like the Jim Lee comic books, which are awesome.
1: And the other, and this
0: one, it's but like everything outside the character models in the show looks good to me.
1: The other visual styling nitpick that I have, I don't know. I'm, it's not that I'm against this; I just notice it strongly. They don't do, like, the bold superhero colors, those, like, bright blues and reds quite as much as the original series or the comics do. It's very... It's more muted, neutral-toned colors, which is okay, but it also kind of gives the whole thing a little bit more of, like, a dark and serious vibe.
0: Well, there's something about the early 2000s aesthetic in general that speaks to that, where... A lot of the '80s and early '90s were bold and colorful, right? Mm-hmm. In general, uh, and then
1: they just toned it down. It everything got toned much.
0: down. People started wearing black. Uh, the X Men more black in the movies, famously.
1: Right. No, I mean it's, it's fine. Just, it's like a
0: grittiness. It's that's, just well, it's right. not grittiness here exactly. But, no, yeah. It's the
1: anime thing, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's like the uh the neutral neutralization of the color palette. And again, I'm fine with that. But the show itself kind of goes out of its way to be wacky. Like, I'm thinking specifically about, like, Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler and the type of dialogue that they give them. Toad. Toad. Like, all of that type of humor that they try to inject in it does not... That stands in opposition, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's the show... To
1: the color palette that it, they've chosen. It's interesting
0: you put... I, the show's at a crossroads of different stylistic themes and uh, sort of... Like backwater Hollywood tropes, which is something else we've discussed as well too. It's still this show is written like a Saved by the Bell type script. Mm-hmm. The, at least the the, the the attempts at humor. It's just wacky, zany jokes that teenagers might try to make and uh, awkward observations. I mean, I, it's not. It's just it's it's clumsily uh, put together and. And they're trying to, but they're trying to make something cool and updated at the same time mm-hmm. to fit with the themes. Like it's a new millennium, right? So when you have that stuff bumping against each other, for me, it's not a win. Uh, the The saving grace of the show in general is the theme of the X Men. So there's a lot of elements there that they're introducing in each episode that do intrigue me as an X Men fan, and I would hope that. Uh, once they find their footing past season one, they can synthesize these things more. And it just becomes... The show just becomes about the X-Men and less about trying to make a statement about, hey, kids, here's a cool new show about Mm -hmm. teenagers. It's about the Mm X-Men. And more about, here's the story of this universe we've set up. So I'm hoping we're on that path.
1: They've done it in a couple episodes so far. Um, This one, I, I feel like, was a little bit more by way of the introduce a villain and see what happens than advancing a storyline in general although it does that a little bit
0: at the end there's a weird twist revelation about how all the characters relate to each other by the end of this which we'll get to that i think is that alone sort of salvaged this episode for me is something that's interesting um, because I, it it made me question what where the show is going to go down the road here, mm-hmm. uh, so that'll be interesting to track. But let's let's jump into the beginning here and and see who we're even talking about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the the new villain in question is the Juggernaut,
1: right? Give <laughs> it right away. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we are introduced to Stokes County Maximum Security Facility. I don't know if that's a real place or not. Stokes County, right. Um, But you see a guard entering and the eye scanning and all that. And before anything had even happened, we both were like, oh, Mystique. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, there she goes, just solitary by herself into this um, maximum security, like, chamber where she releases this man who's in suspended animation, seemingly. uh, Well, they say he's in in this
0: green goo. They say Liquid that it stuff. was it was designed to power, somehow paralyze someone as you know uh, immensely powerful as someone as the juggernaut.
1: Right. We know that it's the juggernaut Kane Marco um, Professor X's brother and Mystique also reveals it she she changes from the guard into you know looking like herself. And says, okay, Juggernaut, she, time for a reunion with your brother, Charles she, she Xavier. She dumps
0: a lot of exposition on the audience as the Juggernaut is slowly awakening from his coma. Mm-hmm. They change backstory about the Juggernaut quite a bit. Uh, he's not the stepbrother of Charles Xavier. He's now the half-brother. And later on, it's remarked that they share a father, which is not true to the comics. And the comics, are stepbrothers. Uh, Professor X's mom is widowed, and she marries, like I think it's like a rich scientist dude that's got a... A temperamental son whose name is kane marco and he's jealous of uh charles xavier growing up and they become sort of childhood
1: like rivals rivals
0: yeah. and uh later on we all know the story juggernaut gets the crystal of sidorak and it, it gives him the juggernaut powers and he, it drives him insane kind of and wants him to swear revenge on his stepbrother here they're half brothers Professor X later says he's got the a latent X gene which never activated, but he somehow he used mysticism to activate his X gene and it turned him into the Juggernaut. So
1: maybe there will be an interesting story about that down the road somewhere. I doubt
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is kind of in line with where they were going with X Men Three, where they had the Juggernaut and he, they just said he was a mutant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, okay. classic Juggernaut's better. What more can we say? You know, let's not harp on that because people know.
1: They do the helmet, though.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, without his helmet, <laughs> he's susceptible to psychic attacks.
1: Right, yeah. Also, I don't know. There's something especially hilarious about the Juggernaut helmet that we've probably talked about before. But the fact that it doesn't contour to his neck, it's it makes it so that he has no neck yeah. completely. I did They like, like really exaggerate that style in the animation here, which uh, I, I didn't I, find objectionable. <laughs> I thought funny. it was funny
0: that... The Juggernaut has latches on his helmet uh-huh. in this version.
1: Right. In other versions, they're like it, it's like riveted. Yeah, on. it's bolted
0: onto his right. head, which is funny. Wolverine has to scrape the nails off in the first season of the original series to get the helmet off. Uh, and and then Rogue kind of has to pull the rest of it hard off his head, even though it's now a jar. Right. In this version, there's these convenient latches, which makes more sense for the Juggernaut, who you know could just unlatch his his helmet for his day-to-day life (laughs) yeah yeah, but
1: not for his defenses (laughs) i guess
0: although i wonder if in the original version of juggernaut he just was so strong he could rip the helmet on and off whenever he wanted to (laughs) yeah maybe but i actually i read some i did some reading on juggernaut's powers on wikipedia and they said that if he loses the helmet or the helmet gets destroyed he has the power to take any raw material and reshape it into his helmet through magic through the magic of the gem
1: wow what a specific magic power yeah
0: i guess that probably just explained away a lot of plot holes him losing his helmet all the time and getting it back (laughs) like how does he regenerate this weird-ass costume he has Mm. so uh they changed the backstory of the juggernaut it's fine again it's a different universe we're, we're slowly coming to accept that it doesn't bother me too much uh I do think that the design of the Juggernaut looks pretty good in the show, mm-hmm. especially him in action destroying things. There's a scene of him later derailing a train, which I thought looked really good. Mm-hmm. And then some other scenes of him throwing Wolverine through some walls of the mansion, which I thought
1: looked really Right, and cool. he, like, stomps through the holes after him. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I like that sequence, too. That looked good.
0: All right. So the Juggernaut's introduced. Uh, Mystique tries to recruit him to kill Professor X. Well, really to steal...
1: Cerebro. Cerebro. Yeah, she doesn't say specifically that he has to kill Professor X, but she's basically trying to strike a deal with him. Yeah. And she's like, listen, in return for your early release from this prison, I, all you have to do is bring me Cerebro, basically. Uh, the plane is coming for you now that'll pick us up and he just like throws her he's like no one transports the juggernaut (laughs) it's like kind of unclear if he's entering into this agreement with her it seemed like
0: he wasn't (laughs) it seemed like it seemed like screw you Mystique I'm just gonna go kill Professor X on my own thanks for he doesn't even say thank you for releasing me but uh,
1: he just stomps out
0: just stomps away so it it looks like Mystique's plan was completely stupid it doesn't make sense later as we'll see we'll get to that Mm mm-hmm Meanwhile, what are the ex-kids up to this week?
1: (laughs) Right. Meanwhile, all of the mutant uh, teenagers that go to Bayville High and none of the non-mutant teenagers, conveniently, (laughs) are on a field trip to some wilderness survival camp. I did
0: thought I saw one or two in the early establishing shots. I might have imagined that now. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Um, So the school has sanctioned. The school, not Professor Xavier, not Mystique.
1: Well, also Professor Xavier. And well, Mystique he, is essentially the school. She's the principal.
0: That's true. But still, the school uh, has allowed for a, in like, in hardcore, intense survivalist field trip. Yeah. Where, what are the stakes? Like, you have to do 20-mile marches, uh, repel 200-foot cliffs.
1: They have, um, like, a drill sergeant who's in charge of everything, just one guy.
0: Right, who's, like, this steroided-out lunatic. From Full Metal Jacket, basically a Full Metal Jacket parody. Uh-huh. It it seems kind of inexplicable that this would be going on at a high school. I mm-hmm. can't imagine that ever existing, even in the the days of when there's less helicoptering in terms of student safety. But
1: I mean, I I think it's a thing. I don't know if it's school sanctioned. Usually, I think it's like a summer camp sort of thing. But
0: I for teenagers. Yeah,
1: I think I've heard of it. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, like,
0: the 20-mile s-
1: hike, rappelling, yeah. all that is necessarily realistic. But, yes, like, wilderness survival, like, teaching skills about, like, camping and how to build fires and how to orient yourself in the wilderness and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I believe that for sure. But uh, the drill sergeant aspect? Yeah, they it, take just, it to an extreme. It seemed like you'd have to be in military school for that kind of level. Uh, I, I thought, you know, they premised the whole thing on a stupid joke where uh, Professor X gave us a choice. We could either do the survivalist camp or we could d- do the survival, survival camp with Wolverine.
1: And none of them wanted to do it with Wolverine. They are yeah. scared of him. So, off they went in this, like, school bus. They have their, like, camping mats and sleeping bags with them and everything. They're dressed for the occasion. Scott has on, like, a low-cut muscle tank. <laughs> Jean's got on her short shorts. They're, like, ready for the woods, I guess. I don't know. Um... And then Blob, Toad, Avalanche, and Quicksilver are also there.
0: So the good mutants and the bad mutants are gathered together. They're obviously antagonistic. Again, there's just something strange, and it ties in with how the episode ends, about why Professor X and Mystique want their students to compete against each other in this way, and under the premises of a school-sanctioned activity.
1: Yeah, it's weird. I, I
0: found it very... There's something about this show, the show that is just not explained yet about <laughs> what Professor X and Mystique are up to. I just, mean, we know what it is. We know that they're preparing for some kind of battle. But,
1: but why? Like, what are the stakes of this battle? They just want to pit the teenagers against each other? Like, to what end?
0: And what are the stakes <laughs> of the universe, too? Like, who knows about mutants and are mutants oppressed? It's it's very... it's It's all just completely muddied and muddled at this point. I guess you could chalk that up to one of the better writing aspects that they've they've given us this mystery that we're supposed to ponder but
1: was it on purpose? It's hard to it tell. It feels
0: clumsily executed up to this point.
1: Um anyway, the four like bad guys essentially are like looking at the X-Men and their camping gear and they're like those goody-goody X-Men, we'll get them. <laughs> like plotting against them for some reason.
0: And you um, think that's all going to be about the bad guys are going to cheat with their powers to win whatever contests, like capture the flag or whatever these races they're set up in. But weirdly, the bad guys want to. They they kind of want to follow the rules, too. They, they just want to beat them with their pure grit.
1: Well, so like the first challenge is basically Scott and Avalanche are in these like whitewater rafting Boats, rafts, yeah, on a river, and they're racing. And like Avalanche uses his powers first, and then a like, little bit
0: more discreetly.
1: But discreetly, but so like the drill sergeant guy doesn't notice, but right. the other X Men standing on the side do. And <sighs> the other X Men are like, "Oh, we'll show him." We're spikes. Like I'm just gonna pierce a hole right in his raft or whatever and gene's yeah. like no you know like
0: <sighs> we mustn't cheat
1: right we, we can't use our powers it's not fair and they, they kind of make... gonna handle it like the true leader that he is
0: yeah and they kind of make a joke out of gene being the true goody good good shoes of this episode
1: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: like the other characters make fun of her for being a rule follower
1: I Which mean, is a bit of an
0: inversion because you think Cyclops would be the ultimate rule follower. Actually,
1: they make a little bit of fun of Cyclops also because at the very beginning, I forgot to mention the drill sergeant guy says like, "Okay, Scott Summers, uh, Sumner, Sumner, and he says Summers, whatever. Uh, based on academic achievement, you're you've been chosen the group leader. So it, he's taken on this leader role from the very beginning." of this whole escapade, but he turns out not to be that great a leader. Gene, in this boat race, Gene's like, oh, Scott's going to do the right thing because he's a a good leader. Mm -hmm. But he, like, uses his optic eye blast to... He
0: just blows up avalanches. Blows avalanches, yeah. Which the drill sergeant does not notice somehow. Which is just not... I don't know. It's lazy writing. I mean, did he notice? Does he know they're mutants? We have no idea.
1: Scott ends up winning the race... All the bad guy mutants are like, hey, you cheated. And they're like, well, you cheated first. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. Um, Again,
0: this would all be okay if not for the presence of the drill sergeant guy.
1: <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I mean, the drill sergeant then sets up the next challenge, which is to retrieve a flag that he put at the top of a mountain, like an enormous snow-covered mountain.
0: Yeah, an impossibly large mountain. He's like, I put this flag up here. The first team to get it, photograph themselves at the top
1: wins. Right. And Gene intervenes before anybody's even set out. Well, because
0: immediately, like, uh, Nightcrawler and Quicksilver are like, I'll get it in two seconds. Right. (laughs) Which,
1: Which... like, they both could. Right. Um, But Gene's like, no, none of us are using our powers. Deal? Deal. Um we'll see how long that lasts they anyway. set up this
0: weird rival, rivalry in this episode between avalanche and cyclops
1: mm-hmm. they
0: look kind of like similar guys to begin with
1: <laughs> i guess so
0: and I, I don't know like why they're the leader i mean Is i know avalanche why cyclops like the are...
1: leader type in, no in i group? mean
0: not i, know, I don't know what mu- I, I don't know much about avalanche from the comic books i just know from the first cartoon that he's a dopey side villain
1: mm-hmm.
0: he's not he doesn't seem like the leader type
1: yeah i don't know odd yeah.
0: You would think that Quicksilver would be the leader of them because he's technically the son of Magneto.
1: Right. But we don't know that in this.
0: Yeah, although it's hinted at.
1: Right. Meanwhile, cut back to Professor X. He's got an alert from Cerebro saying basically that the Juggernaut has escaped and he's on his way, presumably, to the X mansion. He's in upstate New York somewhere. And
0: weirdly... Wolverine doesn't really know who the Juggernaut is and Professor X explains the backstory between yeah, him and the because father. because of
1: exposition, that's why. Yeah. So Storm takes the Blackbird uh, somewhere over New York State, puts it on autopilot, jumps out the top, and puts a thick fog over everything. The idea being that if anybody saw and tried to apprehend the Juggernaut, they would surely be, be injured <laughs> or dead <laughs> so to prevent that from happening they want to allow the juggernaut to make it all the way to the x mansion unhindered
0: sort of a weird strategy <laughs>
1: but okay um i, I
0: always I, th- that's too much explaining i liked it leaving everything to the imagination in the original series when the juggernaut would arrive on a scene or was he or when he was dispatched just kind of wandered in the wilderness right and didn't think too much about it and this show they're they're showing how the juggernaut could be imprisoned which ultimately i think is very cruel and they're also showing like we must protect he can't even be we can't even allow anyone to see him when he's walking around as he might be doing in his normal life anyway
1: the imprisonment thing is a serious human rights violation, isn't it? Like, well, I understand that he's the unstoppable juggernaut, but what they're what they're doing is
0: it's cruel, and unusual to say that, death,
1: isn't it? I like, mean,
0: the way they in the original series they did a better job. They just made him forget kind of who he was, so which maybe, had
1: its own set of problems. It did, but, but it like, maybe
0: <laughs> maybe the hope was that he would just start a new life, and he's like, maybe I should be going to tax accounting or something, right? Like, get a normal job. Uh, like, like who knows what? Like to me, it left it open ended. Like he's free to maybe choose a better path and become to a be sheep a, farmer, a bank robber in the
1: mountains. Right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and, I think that's a little more hopeful. Also, not just for him, but with the idea that <laughs> like human nature is good at its base. So when yeah. he's rid of these the violent hatred against
0: professor x that
1: he'll be able to choose a path that's more peaceful
0: doesn't seem likely i I mean it and it was problematic for other reasons too whenever you saw him wandering off after his brain had been melted he would just bump into buildings and half knock them over by accident and Mm. trying to get his bearings right so he he was he was he's not a safe guy to just let walk (laughs) around a neighborhood
1: that's true
0: but um i don't know the mysteries of juggernaut i know they've They've gone deeply into Juggernaut in the comics throughout the years, especially in recent years, too. At one point, he might have become a good guy. Like, there's this, all this, like, stuff going on with him. So, uh, I'm sure they've, like, explored a lot of these questions you might have about Juggernaut in the comic books a recent days. I'd be, I'd be curious. If anyone knows, like, it, like, some more fun details about the Juggernaut's life, feel free to post them in our Facebook group. I'd be curious to read about, like, some of his exploits that are away from the world of being a supervillain or just... Like, what is the life of the juggernaut like?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, the bad guys are on their way up the mountain. The teenagers, I mean. The blob is basically, like, dragging them up on ropes because he's strong enough to just, like, lift all their body weight, like, straight up this mountain. Yeah, a lot
0: of upper body strength from the blob (laughs) in this episode. They show him doing push-ups at 1.2. It's kind of of fascinating to see Well, he's super
1: strong, no? Yeah, he
0: is, yeah.
1: And um, meanwhile, I wonder if his
0: gravity powers have anything to do with that, too. I don't know. Whatever. With his strength? He can manipulate gravity. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Go on.
1: If he can manipulate gravity, shouldn't he be able to levitate things? Can he do that?
0: I don't know. I mean, like, his power is to create a gravity bubble around himself and manipulate that.
1: So he should be able to manipulate himself. I mean... (sighs) But it's he normally to—it's to
0: usually just to increase gravity, right? I think that's the level of manipulation. Uh, I don't okay. think he can reverse he can't decrease gravity. Decrease gravity, right? Hmm. That'd be a cool issue if he like explored his gravity powers more. And he could—the flying blob would be a funny issue.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, you
0: X wimps! I learned how to
1: fly. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Toad has jumped ahead and he went into some abandoned mineshaft that was marked as extremely dangerous. And he claims that inside there's a stairway that leads right up to the top of the mountain where the flag is that they're trying to get. So all his friends are like, oh, great. Great idea, Toad. And they all just go into this dangerous mine shaft.
0: To get nitpicky, too, all the characters are still in their T-shirts and shorts and they're getting higher up this mountain which is clearly a freezing summit top Mm -hmm. and that never seems to be an issue going forward but whatever
1: (laughs) they're impervious right i guess
0: no or the writers just forgot to account for that detail
1: right meanwhile the x-men are also trying to make their way up this mountain they're kind of just running uh, scott basically
0: yeah scott basically just wants to cheat at a certain point right he's so caught up in the competition that he instructs his teammates to use their powers you know, Spike to make a, a rope ladder thing and uh, Nightcrawler to look ahead to see if the flag's still there. All this stuff. And Jean is in the background being annoyed. And the other characters are worried about upsetting Jean when it comes to this. And Cyclops right. is like... They don't, don't have their about.
1: own internal conflict. They're just worried about <laughs> <laughs> what if they're going to upset say. mom or dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Jean just, like, staunchly refuses to participate in the cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, Meanwhile, she shows up
0: Cyclops a little bit. Like, Cyclops uses the rope thing that Spike made, and Jean says, like, I'll show you. I'm going to climb with my hands.
1: Right. Meanwhile, the bad guys get stuck in the mineshaft. Big surprise.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> uh toad the the path to get to the top of the mountain is obscured by some rocks and toad's like hey avalanche why don't you just use your powers to jostle the rocks out of the way
1: he's like yeah great idea
0: yeah you'd think he would have
1: enough experience with his own powers to be like nope not a great idea
0: yeah yeah he
1: does it and then their way out gets blocked so now they're just stuck
0: yep so they're buried in the mountain the x-men find them right away And they, of course, agree to help them right away as well. They're not going to let them suffer or say, hey, we'll get you after we take the picture of us with the flag.
1: Right. Also, the uh, earth shaking that Avalanche did inadvertently knocked Spike off the side of the mountain. Like, they felt the tremors also. And Jean uses her powers to save Spike's life and, like, bring him back up the mountain Mm -hmm. so he doesn't die. And... scott
0: yeah he thinks she's being a hypocrite in that moment right she's like no it's the difference between life and death Of course, right
1: capturing the flag is not a difference between life and death i'm not gonna use my powers for that yeah that's immoral
0: (laughs) pretty like light low effort lesson being communicated in this episode (laughs) i guess it's Um, like hey kids if you ever have magic powers know when to use them for good versus for cheating
1: right so, anyway, the... I mean, I, I don't know.
0: I, like, that's kind of the whole plot of Back to the Future 2. Marty's... L- like, the whole big moral conflict is that Marty cheats with the time machine
1: uh-huh. to
0: enrich himself. And it almost causes a, a galaxy-crunching paradox. Mm. And it's, you know, the per- uh, Doc Brown has to ba- browbeat him about you have to use the time machine for the purposes of, like, Good. discovery even- and inspiration, <laughs> not for... <laughs> Not for winning at gambling. right? Um, anyway, where were we here? So, I mean, it's... Uh, Storm flies the Blackbird to the top of the mountain to pick up the X-Men. Uh, because Juggernaut's broken into the mansion. He's about to kill Professor X. This all kind of happens in a convenient, too quick amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Storm also threw a loudspeaker from the Blackbirds like, Also, other mutants. Mystique's in danger, too. We need your help as well. And they're like, okay, we'll go with you.
1: Right. Uh, They leave a Polaroid for their instructor of all of them, both teams at the top. Having worked together to get
0: the flag. Pretty dopey, uh, Looney Tunes-esque moment where the Blackbird flies over the drill instructor guy. He gets knocked over by the wind and the paper... I mean, the picture of them having gotten to the top of the flag just conveniently falls in his hands or something.
1: I guess it's supposed to drive home that moral lesson of working together. You can get things done. But it seems misguided because they both, like, cheated and lied along the way.
0: Yeah, and it's clumsily executed in the in that way. Right, it's clumsily executed. And it's
1: also such low stakes. Who is this instructor to them? Does this have any yes. bearing on anything that happens to any of them in the future? The only
0: thing interesting about it is just the idea that of these two teams working together and what that means for the future of the show going forward. Right. Because they're all kind of innocent teenagers that are essentially pawns of their two puppet puppeteers. Right. Puppet masters, be it Professor X or Magneto. And like we said, we, we've gotten no explanation as to like what... The conflict between those characters really is at this point. And and like I said, the teenagers just seem like they could be friends. Like, why are they being made to hate each other?
1: Right. But also the whole scene with the instructor and the photograph and all that is completely unnecessary because the very next scene is a fight sequence where both, like, the good guys and bad guys of teenagers are teaming up to fight against the juggernaut. So, like, the point about teamwork is driven home anyways.
0: Exactly. So there's a the standard sort of juggernaut fight sequence we see in all these animated shows where the characters sort of run around him and distract him while someone tries to pull his
1: helmet off. So like kind of one by one, the different mutant teenagers like run up to him and like unlatch one of the latches on his helmet. Gene
0: Gene famously suspends the juggernaut in the air with her telekinesis and passes out. Right. <laughs> just, just sad to me at this point. Oh, Jean. <laughs> to see Jean just continue to get winded by her, the use of her powers in these shows. Sucks. <laughs> I guess it's just like... The idea comes from she'd be too ultra-powerful if her telekinesis gave her no effort.
1: I guess, yeah. No
0: mental... I, I mean, because she would just... It's, it's stuff they explore when she's the Phoenix, that she's so overpowered that what could stop her. But... There's just got to be a better way to do Marvel Girl, in my opinion. Jean Grey. I just, I don't like this, the gasping for air Jean Grey as she lifts, like, one guy.
1: The whole overpowered thing, though, I mean, we've talked about how it varies from story to story and venue to venue depending on what the needs of the, the plot or the writer are yeah but it just seems like every single x-man has their moment in the sun where it's like oh storm is like the most overpowered yeah. or like oh cyclops is the most overpowered right, right. and it's like okay they're all powerful whatever like what <laughs> 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 I I know, hyperbole <laughs> yeah
0: i know what you mean um you know i guess with jean you, you got to give her some kind of limitation, so I would make it more instead of the fact that she gets physically winded by using her powers, that maybe she just needs to be perfectly balanced to use them. Does that make sense, or is that essentially the same principle? What are you saying? Like that she, like she (laughs) has to be, uh, like almost get into, let's say, a Zen Buddhist.
1: Oh, like, she has to be perfectly relaxed and, like, Perfectly relaxed,
0: like, still and, like, you know, has to put her hands up to her head and perfectly concentrating any distractions will cause her to lose concentration. Mm. Because that's how hard it is to focus her telekinesis, for instance.
1: I would like that better than just that she gets tired. Right,
0: like, she doesn't get tired from it. It's just that, like, if you bump her, jostle her, she'll immediately drop the thing and there's not much she could do. And then maybe, like, her story would be the evolution of how she gets an increasing greater sense of control and balance uh, despite distractions, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to this is something that physically wins her. Wins her. Is that, did I use that yeah. properly? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, that's how I would, that's the one note I would give all the Jean Grey content creators out there.
1: I getcha. But also, then you kind of set up a dynamic where all the rest of the X Men are going to constantly be just fighting to protect her so that she can do like the heavy lifting, so to speak.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, you might be right. Like, I'm not saying this is the perfect solution. Uh, I would just... uh, Like, you could just have it in a way where she's sort of in the back of the party. It's like like people in the army, they have different functions, Mm -hmm. right? So some people are the direct attackers. Other people are defensive. Some people are medics. So her thing would be she'd be kind of in the back. Mm. sort of doing what she can from behind the scenes, mm. and then it's it's like if if they break the X-Men's front line of attack, then knocking Jean off balance would be like a big thing of like you know, imperiling yeah. their attack thing. Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm not a master uh, describer of, of army tactics. If oh. you could tell. <laughs> I thought
1: you were going to say master military strategist.
0: Yeah, I'm not that. <laughs>
1: Uh, Anyway, she gets tired.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But they do stop the juggernaut. Uh, Professor X uses his mind to defeat him, shut his brain down. Uh, And they say, you know, Mystique's life is saved as well. And Mystique and Professor X share some words about the experience of all the the mutants working together for a greater good.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, Professor X is like, oh, this would be nice if this happened more often.
1: I mean, it's kind of crazy that they even exchange those words, because Mystique is the one that set him free in the first place, totally unprovoked by anybody except Magneto, probably. Yeah,
0: wouldn't this be a good opportunity for Professor X to go into Mystique's mind and shut her down as well? She's <laughs> she's a very dangerous person.
1: She really is.
0: But he entrusts her to be the principal of the school he sends his children to, right? So
1: Yeah, again, makes just no sense. Uh,
0: nothing is adding up quite yet. <laughs> Hopefully they straighten all this out as we go along.
1: Yeah, um... Then you know we get our last couple beats here.
0: The kids are happy to have worked together. Like Cyclops is sort of, you know,
1: right. What does Avalanche say to him? He's like, "Oh, you're as a leader, you're only half bad," or right, something. Yeah. And they like share a laugh. Yeah, it's kind of nice.
0: Yeah, they could all be friends. So that's Why can't interesting. We to all me. just be friends. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, then we see Professor X imprisoning Juggernaut back in his green liquid goo in the maximum security prison. Yeah. Where he's essentially like you know laid yeah. dormant
0: again cruel and unusual punishment. who and knows? he says, like because Juggernaut it, looks pretty angry when his eyes are closed and he's in this forced coma. Well,
1: he's an angry guy and I know, yeah. but
0: I, it's not like he's in a state of he could. How about a line of uh, he's in a state of euphoria? You know, like <laughs> he's living his wildest fantasies right now because so. he's
1: a bad guy and the show has to show that he's being punished. I or know, something. but
0: it's just like I said, cruel but, and unusual. This is this is rough for the Juggernaut.
1: Yeah, Professor X even acknowledged is it he says well we do what we have to yikes meaning like the juggernaut is such a menace to society that
0: professor x in favor of secret cia torture sites yeah. <laughs> around the world i'm guessing <laughs>
1: uh that well all that I mean, here with him. the uh, full
0: agreement the U- uh, i mean full agreement with the us government in the sense that he's at a he's not in like he's not in the uh he's not in a secret prison in the x mansion he's in a state prison mm-hmm. somewhere yeah so the government's involved in this as well.
1: Is that better or worse? I can't really tell.
0: I think it's worse, really. I mean, the Professor X is collaborating with the government to, you know...
1: But wouldn't it be also weird, like, in other shows and movies and whatever where they just have somebody, like, imprisoned yeah. under the X-Mansion, nobody else knows where they are or who they are or anything? That's weird.
0: I don't know <laughs> if the X-Men have ever imprisoned people in the X-Mansion. Really? I think you might be remembering when Maura McTaggart on Muir island has a bunch of dangerous mutants including her son proteus yeah she has imprisoned and it's just like this weird i think even that that's a debate in the episode is that uh there's an argument between mora and someone else it's probably professor x but it might have been banshee where Uh they argue about like this is your son and she's like well this is the only solution i could have right uh you know what else did you want me to do i guess there's some like the moral ambiguity is there for sure in a good way in those episodes. I don't know,
1: even like when they imprison when they like find Wolverine out roaming around and they imprison him down in the, the X mansion for you know, short term. But
0: they're giving him therapy. Are oh, you talking about like maybe you're referring to when they get Sabretooth and
1: Sabertooth
0: Professor X's I feel like goals? Batman to do therapy. does it all the time well, in the Batman Batcave. Is, <laughs> <laughs> I mean they've they've talked about that with Batman uh, because he's he's like a borderline right wing fascist mercenary. Uh-huh. like he he definitely I mean, I can't think of any like good examples from the comics, although I know they exist. But I remember in the in the one of the Batman video games, one of the Arkham series, uh, they capture a character, the Identity Thief, who got plastic surgery to look like Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Wayne in the show, like you you beat the Identity Thief at some point, and uh, Alfred or somebody's like, well, what are we going to do with him? And Because he looks like Bruce Wayne. And Batman's like, well, we can't give him to the regular police. Imprison him in the Batcave (laughs) or something. Yeah. And he's like, all right, we'll do that. Or he says, I'll keep him imprisoned in Wayne Tower. And I was playing the game. I was like, really? That's your solution for this right now, Batman? (laughs) You have, like, your own private prison for criminals that are, like... You know, the the police couldn't understand. It, it was just very bizarre. I mean, would
1: it be crueler or less cruel to, like, give him, like, facial reconstructive surgery so he no <laughs> longer looks like Bruce Wayne and then just deal with him like a normal person? See, at,
0: at, if, the, solu- the real solution would be Batman would have to take the criminal to Commissioner Gordon and be like, this guy, he got plastic. He'd have to just explain it. He got plastic surgery to look like Bruce Wayne, but he's not. Here's his DNA evidence. He's actually this other guy. Right. And, you know... like and I'm giving
1: him this scar so you can always tell. <laughs> his, was,
0: his face was kind of fucked up and it kind of had scars anyway from the plastic surgery. Uh, uh, he looks like a scarred up Bruce Wayne. Uh, but it, it's just like there had to have been a better solution than locking him away in Wayne Tower. and just. Throwing I don't know. Away I know Batman's
1: key. a maniac. Maybe it's not fair to compare the X Men to him, yeah. but it's just well there's
0: certain versions where Batman's a maniac. I think in the Adam West Happy Batman oh, he's yeah, like no. very law abiding and yeah. he wants criminals to get rehab and he, he likes he likes the loose justice system of of the prison system in that show, but in other like in like maybe like the more Frank Miller version he's more of a maniac and like they lean into his right wing tendencies or <laughs> they ascribe those <laughs> tendencies to him. I think you know I like I, I don't believe that Batman is necessarily a right wing superhero. I think that's just a stylistic choice that certain comic book writers have ascribed to him i I would say that batman is mainly apolitical Mm. he he just follows his own like moral credo and Mm -hmm. it's not it may be for others to interpret like where that lands on whatever justice scale or political scale but i think he's just he's like superman essentially they just believe in justice and truth and stuff and due process they don't really believe in like insanity i mean in terms of political insanity Where were we here? (laughs)
1: Uh, I was overgeneralizing and saying that I feel like the X-Men sometimes keep people secretly locked away under the X-Mansion without the authorities knowing about it.
0: I think you're right. I think they do (laughs) on a certain level. But again, the the goal, at least in the original series, the goal was to try to, to rehabilitate people with Professor X's therapy to turn them into good guys. Right. Because the idea was that, like, Professor X has sympathy for everybody, good or bad mutants, and he wants everyone to get along. And he thinks that... he His thing is that society's been so cruel to mutants that uh, it's up to him to, to you know, to heal their wounds so that they could be better... They could better, you know, fit into right. a world except and fight that, for like, good. his
1: version of healing is not really, like, dealing with the problems. It's just suppressing... Yeah, and it's also he's
0: just a bad therapist, as we've said a thousand times in the show. He's just he has good intentions, but it's just they never work out properly.
1: Okay, so taking all of that into account, is it better or worse that he puts the juggernaut back into the green goo in the the maximum security state penitentiary?
0: I think it's worse. I, I like I said, cruel and unusual punishment. It would have been more merciful to wipe his memories away and just let him wander off into the woods and hope for the best. But that was the solution in the other shows. I think that's, like, the better solution in general. Because ultimately, like, the Juggernaut doesn't have grand ambitions. Yes, he wants to kill Professor X, but other than that, he's happy just being a bank robber. He wants <laughs> to be rich. I think he just wants to live it up. Like, he doesn't... He's not... He get all the power fantasy he has, he gets just by being as strong as he is, so I don't think he's out to be a criminal overlord or something. Mm. You know, he just wants to team up with uh, Black Tom and make some money. Mm-hmm. Maybe <laughs> maybe live in a chalet in Ireland with him.
1: <laughs> they can have a happy
0: life together.
1: Well, he gets to do none of that. <laughs> no. Here.
0: He's put into a, a insane, like, you know.
1: His little glass cylinder yeah. tube. Large glass cylinder tube, I should say. Very all right, confining. so the, all the X-Men were there with him. They all, you know, are exiting the penitentiary. Uh, Scott and Gene are our outro. They're wear, <laughs> wearing their matching cargo pants. They agree that Scott did okay as They're a leader. They're wearing their
0: matching cargo pants? <laughs>
1: yeah, you didn't notice? I,
0: I, I did notice, yeah. It's <laughs> kind of weird that they have their pants styles in common.
1: And uh, and they agree that Gene uh, was good playing the part of, of the group's moral conscience.
0: While Scott was a good leader.
1: Right. The end.
0: Yeah, the end. Um, so, <laughs> you're right. Everyone survived. Uh, I guess, except Juggernaut.
1: Well, technically he survived. Yeah,
0: he's all right, I guess. Uh,
1: He's, you know, some zero for him. He's back where he started.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it really, like, makes you wonder what's Professor X's long-term goal with Juggernaut. Is he just supposed to rot in this prison forever until he dies? Or is he going to try to help him out down the road one day? We don't know. Mm. Uh, Oh, there's another little fun thing in this episode we neglected. There's a scene where the blob's like, hey, Juggernaut tries knocking me over and he does
1: yeah he punches him or something and then
0: i I started googling like who would win in a fight juggernaut or the blob because it's the unstoppable juggernaut versus the immovable blob right and uh, the consensus online seemed to be that while the blob is technically immovable the ground on which he stands is not and the juggernaut could just easily just smash the ground and therefore knock the blob over which kind of happens in this scene as well in their fight scene together hmm. the juggernaut sort of just like stomping towards him and the blob is knocked off his feet although it's it's a little unclear but i do think that that was like a, a like a cool moment that that stuff is al- is always fun you know mm-hmm. and uh it doesn't top what we saw in the original series where Wolverine straight out with his extended claws stabs the blob in the stomach and nothing happens to the blob (laughs) because his skin is so malleable that even razor sharp adamantium can not pierce it right yeah Uh,
1: oh yeah there's a lot of slashing scenes in like, the early fight sequences in this episode. With
0: no connections.
1: Yeah, zero.
0: Yeah, Wolverine, uh, he's just, uh, like, a thousand swings and misses of his claws at the Juggernaut's body. Uh I think, you know, in the anime, again, the original series, Wolverine slashes at the Juggernaut, but I think you just see sort of magical red sparks fly off his body Mm -hmm. because he's invulnerable. So it doesn't matter if Wolverine connects with the Juggernaut's armor. Right, it's, it's not just like,
1: weird. This this fight scene just struck me as weird. Yeah, it's, it's like why is he doing so much like swinging and missing? He's the Wolverine, you know.
0: It's it's the limitation of the character for in a ki- in a kid's format. Mm-hmm. They can't go no, to I these know. places. I Again, I, I was reading on Wikipedia. I went down the Juggernaut hole, and I saw something like the Blob also has instantaneous healing powers. They said that the character Shatterstar, who I think is from the Mojo Verse. Uh, sticks his swords into Juggernaut's eyeballs and, you know, like, gouges out his eyes, but they instantly heal, though. So they've shown some graphic stuff with the Juggernaut in the comic books. uh, Stuff you would never see in a children's cartoon. You know, that really is my dream. To end end here, I want to say my dream is I do want an adult X-Men animated series where they go to these places where you see, see stabbings, you see the gore, you see the healing... You see like the you really like the limitations and the the craziness the crazy the crazy scenarios you could dream up with are animated on a big screen um that would be fun for me. I I know they 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 kind of go to those places in the movies a little bit.
1: Well, they go there with um like the Netflix shows.
0: Well, and Deadpool, right. they went there.
1: Like right with Deadpool. But Deadpool, also, like, like he gets Daredevil. his limbs get
0: decapitated, and you see his gross legs grow back. Right. Stuff like that. And
1: like Jessica Jones, right? Weren't those shows? Wasn't those that are the big very deal bloody and
0: violent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, right. But they they really like in a mainstream X Men thing, it's it's rare that they would.
1: So you want to see that level of like gore and violence with X Men specifically? I mean, that's your dream.
0: I guess, like, yeah, like, R-rated X-Men, essentially, would be more fun to me than PG-13 X-Men, for sure. Hmm. I think it just, I think the X-Men are essentially R-rated characters uh, when you get down to it. I mean, really, most superhero comic books are R-rated, uh, especially the modern ones. They're they they they're not censored anymore like they used to be in the 60s and 70s and before. They, you know, they have full blood and gore. They have sexual situations. I mean, the only thing that they're, they don't have nudity. Mm-hmm. Although the characters are nude often, they're just, their nipples are covered by a leaf blowing in the wind.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, the comic books are very, they're essentially, uh, it's adult content. So, and, and those are oftentimes the best representations of the characters with the most interesting stories. So, yeah, I'd like to see more of that than it sort of toned down for a kid audience. But it, it's kind of unrealistic. Um, do you have any final thoughts on this episode or the show in general before we close out tonight, Sonia? Uh,
1: no. I mean, I don't need, like, a full adult, gory, sexually explicit <laughs> version of all this.
0: Yeah, that might be going a little bit too far. I, there might be a place between PG-13 and R-rated. How about that?
1: I, I see what you're saying. Like, heighten the realism a little bit of the situations yeah. would be good,
0: it, it was uh, like in the last episode we talked about where there's these spikes flying at Wolverine and he just knocks them away with his claws. It would have been cooler if he got pierced by them and pulls them out and you just see him heal really fast with some blood. It doesn't have <laughs> to even be that gory, but it, right. it, it would speak to the character's badassness and just like you'd That's be like, a good whoa. Example. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. So um In conclusion, we need a rating that's in between (laughs) PG-13 and R.
0: Unfortunately, the problem is the perfect rating would be X, but those go beyond R and NC-17. Yeah,
1: that's something else already.
0: (laughs) You got to move the X in between the uh, PG-13 and R for the purposes of X-Men content.
1: Too confusing.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. It's too confusing (laughs) and pretty stupid. Um, Do you have any final words to say before we depart yet again? That's it. Okay, good night, everybody. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.